Okay, people. Um, it is I, Dr. Zim. And um, I'm going to go back to wearing the headset with the microphone. Because number one, which I'm about ready to do already, is I can lay down on the flow. And um, then also... Um, snort uh, <laughs> it's um it makes it easier because that like boom mic thing that i have as you know at the beginning of every show i'm always complaining about that it gets in the way and that um it's a pain in my butthole and i just brought up a bunch of stuff on my imdb and everything and i just realized that since I am going to lay down on the floor, I'm not going to be able to see it anyway. So I'll just use my iPad grunt, the wrestling movie. And let's get down here and get to business because we just went for a walk. And when I came back, I just realized that, uh, yeah, it's not feeling too good in the uh, back department. So ugh, grunt. Uh, Sylvan Gold here. Um, what we're going to talk about today is I did watch some movies, some anime, and some wrestling, and some stuff like that. And, uh, of course, you know, we always go down the, the wormy hole. Um, I saw that there is a new Brad Pitt movie coming out called Bullet Train released in theaters exclusively July 15th. Um, it looks like it's kind of like a comedy action deal. Um, I don't know. It's one of those ones. It's, it's going to take a lot to get me to the theater. Uh, the new Batman movie, I think, came out today. And I'm sure it will be crowded as hell and everything. And um, I, for... I think for COVID reasons, uh, for antisocial, I don't like being in a theater that's packed like a can of sardines. And I don't know. I'm just going to wait. If I, if I go see it in a the theater, I'll, I'll just wait and, and go during the middle of the day when there's nobody in there. Or hopefully there won't be anybody in there. Um, I have on my... Um, Dragon Ball Z socks and uh, both feet up on my desk uh, with my legs spread so I can see my recording device and make sure that it's recording. But I look like I'm either about ready to get pegged or to um, uh, uh, spend some time with um, this girl who was apparently in wrestling i think it was i don't know if it was well i think it was up north there uh, i was listening to um this um wrestling podcast where they enter you know they have like a guest host and the guest host was john nord who was known as the berserker or nord the barbarian and uh him and this the guy um dan marotti were talking about apparently this uh, lady who was what they called a ring rat 
or in like rock and roll, they would call a groupie. And they refer to her as ass licking Annie. <laughs> and apparently she had a taste for, um, professional wrestlers, uh, taints and buttholes. <laughs> And uh, I guess she must not have been, I don't know. It's It didn't sound to me like she was too attractive or something because it sounded like uh, they. some of the guys were like uh, running away from her like uh, Roy Scheider was running from Bruce the Shark in Jowls. Jowls. Uh, Ass-looking Annie. But apparently she was a nice lady and she you know, t- took care of the guys. They like the, the one guy, I think new Jack, uh, was talking about, um, some of the wrestling groupies and that some of these women, like the guys were getting paid so little on the road that they would actually, you know, develop like a, um, Oh, I guess it would be like, a. Kind of, not a conglomerate, but uh, a bunch of different women in different towns that they would stay with, and and the women, you know, because the guy was a ra- hey a wrestler, um, would offer to let them, you know, hey, you can stay at my house, blah 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 blah. And the thing, you know, um, they even said like some of them, you know, they they were sleeping with, but some of them they weren't. Some of them just, you know, like to, you know be nice to the guys and they would fix them food and let them stay at their house and watch TV. And, you know, if, if some of them depending on the, the woman, you know, party or whatever, but, um, um, you know, that was kind of, I don't know, I guess it's a good idea because they said, you know, uh, when they, when you're not making any money, uh, you'd sleep anywhere and they would just try and de- develop like, a uh, different connections um, with different women and they could call them up. And, and I've heard to the extreme where some of them would like pay the guy's car payments and, you know, give buy the guy jewelry and everything. They used to say like the Von Erickson, Texas, that, uh, these women every, every day when the mail would come in at the sportatorium, <sighs> these other wrestlers would go down there and try and get there early and open up the mail uh, because these groupies and stuff would send the Von Erics like uh, gold chains and rings and, and cash and everything else, and they'd go down there and steal it. But anyway, that's wrestling talk. When do I watch did to watch some wrestling? The Bruce, uh, Bruce, <laughs> Brad Pitt movie. It, like I said, it, it looks like it might be, you know, fun, but I mean, just like a shoot 'em up karate. It's like a kind of like an ultra violent comedy kind of a movie of i guess in japan bullet train is that what it's called yes bullet train the movie i watched um a movie with du duane the rock johnson and um billy bob thornton uh called faster and i had i saw this like a long time ago and it just happened to i think it was on YouTube for free. And, um, let me find my, um, there it is. Okay. Um, and I didn't remember that much about it, that it just, that it was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't anything great. Um, 
action movie and everything. And this was when The Rock was just getting into movies. And, um, but this one does have a little bit of a twist. Um, The Rock is in, uh, or I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson is in prison and he gets out and he goes like on a vendetta ride, if you want to say like he's Wyatt Earp. And, um, you know, of course, you don't know why at first. And, and this must have been when he was still wrestling because he is fucking huge. And it is odd. So, now, in, in this role, um, it works for him because he's supposed to be like this scary badass. Um, I was thinking I could actually see like uh, Joe Don Baker playing this, uh, The Rock's role in this, like he did in, um, oh, what was the revenge movie that Joe Don did where he was a gambler? Um, oh crap. Joe Don Becker framed. Yeah. Before I even found it, I remembered framed. Um, it's kind of like that where he went to, to prison. Um, I don't think it, it wasn't for something he didn't do, but he got, he got set up by these buttholes. And so then he's going to get revenge on the buttholes. And, um, that did him wrong. Now, the one thing about this is, is that it, it doesn't, well, I guess it follows the, you know, a a typical revenge thing, but it also, the characters, it, it does develop like there's a cop, uh, detective who is Billy Bob Thornton and he is kind of a dirty cop. Um, not in that, He's going out of his way to try and fuck over the rock, but he is more um, like he's he's kind of just like a burnout cop. He does drugs. He gets drunk. Um, I think he's doing like heroin and stuff like that. And he's his life is just in shambles. He's just a burnout old fart. And he has an ex-wife and a little kid. And um so he gets assigned the case along with Carla Gigino, who is, you know, hot and everything. And she's still working hard and she's all about, um, you know, going by the rule book and everything. And so when Billy Bob gets put on the case, she's kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, why did I get saddled with this fucking old limp dick turd? And um, so that's one thing that, that's different about this. There is a hitman that is hired to kill the rock and they, they have, there's like three or four different stories going on for three or four different characters and they're, they're developing each one and they're not really, they're not super cookie cutter. If they wouldn't have had the uh, backstories for, for each one of them, then it definitely would have been, you know, very cookie cutter, or it could have been, but for some reason, there's a Joe Don Baker fucking thing playing here, and I don't know what it is. Is is this like a what's that Street Fighter? Maybe what is this? Um, I'm seeing a Joe Don Baker clip playing. That looks like Carol Alt. Ring of Steel? Ring of Steel. There are no rules. No! 
it's it seems as though Joe Don is the promoter. But this isn't like Joe Don's pretty old now, so this is back. This is back. A, God, that guy's disobeying Joe Don. And that guy's big. Carol Walt looks good, even though Fred uh, uh, Norris said she wasn't a supermodel. She was hot. Anyway, this is a trailer. It's funny, they have it just playing for no reason with the sound off on a Joe Don Baker thing, but it doesn't say what it is. Wait a minute, here it is. Ring of Steel. Death has just become a spectator sport. Okay, well, here we go down the rabbit hole because I'm going to look that up. I want to I want to find out more about Ring of Steel. Ring of Steel. All right, goddammit, where's the filmography on this cocksucker? <laughs> All filmography. Joe Don Baker. <coughs> Does he have, he's got to be, goddamn, 100 years old. Last thing he did, it looks like, was Mud, which I like Mud. I thought, I mean, he had like a bit part, or, you know, a small part in it, supporting, but it, he was good. Um, Ring of Steel. Well, I guess I could just look up Ring of Steel instead of looking up under Joe Don. I love Joe Don. He's like one of my favorites. Ring of Steel. Ring of Steel. Joe Don and Carol Alt. Okay, here we go. A champion fencer accidentally kills an opponent in a match. Disgraced, he is blackballed from the fencing community until a mysterious stranger saves his life one night from a gang of muggers. He soon finds himself caught up in a world of underground illegal sword fights um, where combatants fight to the death in a ring of steel. Starring Joe Don Baker. Carol Alt, Robert Chapin, Darlene Vogel, and Gary Casper. <laughs> Shit. Ring of Steel. Who else is in the Ring of Steel? It's probably like a bunch of fencing people. Judo Jean LaBelle. I know who he is. He's IMB bodyguard. Gah. Um, Let me look at this um, guy who they're trying to make into a star here. Robert Chapin. Is he a championship fencer? Ring of Steel. Born in Miami, Florida to a family of puppeteers. <laughs> Lenora and Gerald Ch- Chapin. Um, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. Um, Gerald Chapin, who was confined to a wheelchair after being stricken with polio, Robert Chapin grew up making movies with his brother, Stuart. Uh, he attended drama and music classes throughout junior high and high school. Goddamn, who, is this his like, uh, resume uh, for, for a job at McDonald's or something? Okay, now, what's, what's his deal? Was he in any other movies besides Ring of Steel? You guys might know who Robert Chapin is because you guys are like film buffs. But he has 26 acting credits. 
Oh, 2021, Mutiny. I don't know. Uh, hey, I know nothing. The Hunted Encore, or The Hunted Encore TV series. Uh, let's go back. Let's. I wonder if Ring of Steel was his first movie. Yes, Ring of Steel was his first movie in 94. Then Dragon Fury, which almost looks like an erotic movie, an erotic action movie. Um, Mason, a dragon warrior from the future. I don't know what a dragon warrior is, but Mason is a dragon warrior from the future, and he returns to the year 1999 in search of a serum that can combat a disease simply known as the plague. Um in the post-apocalyptic world of 2099, after an earthquake has destroyed all civilization, uh, let's see, has destroyed all of civilization, has been the plague is the deadliest menace of them all, and the cure for it lies in the past. Well, that got a 2.9 out of 10, so I don't think that one doesn't look like it's very good. It's written and directed by David Hevener. Huh. Ring of Steel. Uh, let's see what it's got here. It has sex and nudity mild. So, I mean, you know, they make the cover box art look like uh, there's like a chick with like a some kind of a collar around her neck who's naked. And these two guys' swords are covering up her nipples. <laughs> That's Dragon Fury. Um, now, this would be something that would be like worth going and doing a deep dive into Robert Chapin because he doesn't have that many movies, so it would be okay to watch them. Enter the Blood Ring. That sounds like somebody who's got hemorrhoids. <laughs> Enter the Blood Ring. That one got a 4.3 out of 10. So he's moving up. Ring of Steel got a 5. Well, no, Ring of Steel got a 5. Then he dropped off in Dragon Fury. So that might just be the material. Enter the Blood Ring, a film based on actual events. Oh my God, this has Zadar in it. Um, tells how his father, let's see, a film based on actual events tells how his father per procured money for an operation to his son. Okay, and it's got Zadar and somebody named Malibu. Uh, it's just a one word name, Malibu. And it was written or directed by Tom Oliver and written by Matt Diagostine. What's the deal here? It doesn't, doesn't have much of a uh, synopsis there. Zadar. Well, let me look. Reviews. Does it have? Oh, all cast and crew. That's what I wanted to see. Actors, stunts, casts. Ben Maccabee is Luke Genera. Robert Zadar plays Mob Boss. Darren McBee is Gregory. I've never heard any of these people. Snake Blocker. There is a actor. Now, this guy is playing somebody named Fighter, but his real name is Snake Blocker. And the only blockers that I knew were Dan Blocker, uh, who was Hoss on... Uh, Bonanza and Dirk Blocker was his son. Robert Chapin is a fighter, so he just is like a just a fighter in this. There's lots of people that are just fighters, so he's not even a star in this. So after Ring of Steel, he kind of dropped down to just being 
um, a fighter. TJ Storm. These sound like a bunch of jabronis, man. Like uh, if you were in wrestling, like I said, like The Rock, these guys would all be guys that were in um, like TNA or something. Not even TNA. Uh, CZW. Okay, Enter the Blood Ring. That doesn't sound too good. But it did get a 4.3, so it might have some decent action. Dragon Fury 2. Okay, I did not see Dragon Fury 1. Mason. Directed by Brian Michael Stoller and written by Parker Bostwick. No, uh, it just says, <laughs> the synopsis is, know what this is about? Be the first to add a plot. Um, well, goddamn. Well, that doesn't tell you much. It got, it got rated a 6 out of 10. Uh, Parker Bostwick's screenplay was deemed so poor by the cast and crew that it was discarded in the first day of filming. A replacement screenplay was pieced together by Robert Chapin and Brian Michael, not Bendis, who is it? And Brian Michael Stoller and the stunt personnel. So this movie, this they had a script for this. And it was so shitty that everybody rebelled and they tore it up and threw it away and just uh, fucking threw something together. And he got a six out of ten. And the other, like Ring of well, Ring of Steel got a five. Okay. Lancelot, Guardian of Time. Okay, now he's going down a little bit because this is a 3.6. He plays Sir Gawain. Meh. Uh, let's see. Lancelot is sent through time by Merlin to protect young Arthur before he becomes king of Camelot. Uh, but by accident, they both end up in present day in the present day world with villains. Only technology can help them now. Hmm. Oh, this has Mark Singer in it. Now that's pretty good. John Saxon. I know him. Okay. That's not a bad, that's not a bad, uh, it got a 3.6 though. Um, where's the cast? I mean, that's got some named people in it. Mark Singer, Claudia Christian. Who is she? Is she a hottie that I should know? Eh, talking away. I don't know just what to say. I say it anyway. Um, Claudia Christian began her career on stage as a child in Connecticut. Uh, she was a teenager on the hugely popular series Dallas and never stopped working. She has been in dozens of films and hundreds of hours of TV. She became a sci-fi icon for her portrayal of Susan Ivanova in the Hugo and Emmy award-winning series Babylon 5. Okay, so a lot of you guys would know her from that. I did not watch Babylon 5. It had Is that Bruce Boxleitner? Meh. Bruce Buxleitner, my sister used to like him when he was on um, How the West Was Won, the TV show. And okay, Babylon Five. I think I started to watch that maybe on you know streaming, and then um, I watched something else. Apparently, I've been typecast in science fiction. I'm a Russian bisexual telepathic Jew, is a quote from her. Meh. Good for you, honey. Let's see. Let's go back out of that. Robert Chapin. Child arrived just the other day. It came to the world in the usual way. Actor. 
I don't think he was in anything else worth talking about. But uh, let's see, The Hunted, that was a series, TV series. Blood Sucker Punch, another TV series. I never heard of that. He plays Vamp Hammer. What the fuck is that? Blood Sucker Punch. Street Fighters versus Vampires. Nuff said. Written and directed by Brian Maris. Nuff said. <laughs> Faux baby. Gothic romance. Yeah, this guy. But you know what? Hey, he's been in like 28 um, different... He has had 28 different acting jobs, and I have never had one. So there you go. Okay, we're going to move on from Robert Chapin. But that way, I mean, you know, he got to know, he got to work with Joe Don Baker, which is pretty cool. Um, Haley Steinfeld, actress, True Grit. Well, what's she got to do with uh, Ring of Steel? And then there was a movie called Ring of Fire. Okay, enough of that. Let's go back to Faster. Okay, so Faster, The Rock um, is really jacked. He's got a cool car old vintage like uh chevelle snort and uh directed by george tillman jr okay what else did he do blah 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 see a lot of these things like i'll be like okay now who's this director and i mean of course if it's somebody like friedkin or somebody like that i know but um you guys might know some of these people and i don't even know who the fuck they are Okay, TV, They Hate You Give, Luke Cage. Oh, he was he directed uh, Luke Cage, which I like that. Um, that was really good. Uh, Faster, Notorious, that was a movie about uh, Notorious B.I.G. Men of Honor, that was De Niro and uh, Show Me the Money, uh, Cuba. Cuba, Gooding Jr., Soul Food, Scenes for the Soul and Paula. So he did Faster, which got a 6.4 out of 10. And I think after that, he's done like some TV. Like I said, Luke Cage, I really like that. Um, so anyway, he's worked some. Does he, is he, has he been an actor? No. Okay. So, you know, there you go. He's doing all right. Um, Twiddly diddly dee, twiddly diddly dee, tweet, 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 tweet. She rocks in a treetop all day long. Tom Berenger was in Faster. I forgot that. He was, though, like the warden at the very beginning, which surprised me. Uh, Carla Gugino. Carla Jugs Gino. How old is she now? She was born in 71. She's younger than me. Jesus Christ. I thought she was like an older lady. I guess she is. I guess it's it's all it all depends on what pers- what your uh meh, I hate life. <sighs> was she got anything good? See now, like I mean, when she was in Sin City, everybody's like, "Ooh, man, she got naked and everything." Now, do you, I mean, do you want to see her naked? I guess you know if you're my age, she's a young chick. Oh, American Hostage podcast series. What the fuck? Is that on a goddamn filmography podcast series? She plays Barbara. 
it must be is that like a uh, what we would have used to what we used to call a radio show gunpowder milkshake i saw that that was all right it wasn't great but it was all right action you know uh i almost watched Zack snyder's justice league the other night but then i was kind of like okay i didn't think that the first one was that good so do i want to waste four hours watching it again after they tweak it uh manhunt that was a good series which got canceled um let's see robot chicken i like that nashville that's the one with hayden panettieri she ought to be glad that uh, she uh, broke up with uh, Klitschko uh, because he's over there in Ukraine right now. And, well, her kid is too because she had like postpartum depression and he got um, custody of the kid. I mean, she didn't even fight it. I mean, he, he just got it because she was having problems. And they, he lives over there in uh, Ukraine. So, God, I just thought of that. Man of Steel. That was Superman. Justified. I like Justified. It's a good show. Meh, meh, meh. Sucker Punch sucked. Faster, which is what I'm talking about. Anyway. She's all right. She's a good-looking lady. Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen. Okay. Now, I have a bone to pick with him as far as this movie goes. Um, now, he is a like super good-looking hitman who is real rich, and he does yoga in front of this really beautiful swimming pool and drives these, you know, like Bentleys and these cars like that. <clears throat> but... He irritated me because, but I, but I think that, I mean, you know, what I was thinking is he's supposed to be a rich douche asshole. So, you know, maybe he's a really good actor because I was going to say, I, I couldn't stand him. I wanted the rock to fucking rip his head off and shit down his gullet. Um, what else was this fucker in? He has as many, um, credits as that Chapin guy. But I imagine that he was in better films. Um, I think he's British. We'll see. TV, like BBC stuff, I think. Faster. It's alright. It's not a big motorcycle, just a groovy little motorbike. What's this called? Going the Distance. Drew Barrymore. Uh, Metal Mikey likes her. Uh, used to. I mean, my God, that was years ago. I'm sure, you know, he has moved on now that he's married. <laughs> the Raven with John Cusack. Quote the Raven Nevermore. Uh, Dracula. That was with. Okay, he played Jonathan Harker. And that's the one with the dude that was in Once Upon a Time in Paris. Did he play Dracula? Uh, Jonathan Reese Myers plays Alexander Grayson, Dracula, or Vlad Tempes. See, I didn't see this. This was a, and then Tom, Thomas Ketchman plays Van Helsing. Uh, 
Jessica D. Gao plays uh, Mina. Oliver Jackson Cohen, that's the guy from Faster, plays Jonathan Harker. Renfield is Nonzo Onzi. What is this? Is this like where they take the Dracula um, story and put it in modern times, maybe? Hmm. I mean, look. This was a, a series. Uh, let's see. Dracula travels to London with dark plans for revenge against those who ruined his life centuries earlier. However, his plan is complicated when he falls in love with a woman who seems to be a reincarnation of his dead wife. Okay, this was 2013-2014. And it's, well, I mean, it says it's on Prime, but you have to pay for it. Which I'm sure so I'm not going to fucking pay for it. What's the deal here? Pickle. Oh, eat me, commercial. Jimmy, I'm here. Commercial for HBO Max, $9.99. What is this witchcraft? Science. If this works, then we shall walk in daylight. Don't walk in the sun. Can you imagine us, Leech? So he's getting a an injection, so he's a vampire, so he can the sunlight won't bother him. Did it work? Well, apparently it worked. So I wonder if it's something like he's going to have to keep having these injections, like it'll start wearing off. That guy was is a pretty good actor. He, I think he just had some. I don't know if he was a drunk or if it was drugs, but he was. Uh, he had some problems. I like like the tutors. Oh, he's sticking his hand in the sunlight. Ooh. Oh, his fingers started. Yes, it worked. You call this a success. Don't you see? It works. But only in the tissues surrounding the injection site. Without a functioning heart, serum cannot be distributed throughout your body. Ah. He doesn't have a functioning heart. So where they injected the shit didn't catch on fire when he put his hand in the sunlight, but um, it didn't like a normal person. When you inject somebody, the shit will go through all their veins and everything. And it didn't. So he, they have to figure out a way to either make his heart work or to have something that will pump the shit through his veins. I get it. You know, but that that will that add, would add a little to the um, the story. Of course, them trying to figure that out. But also, if he can walk around during the day, 
it would help. Um, I like that one Dracula show that was out not that long ago, um, where he is like Dracula is trying to get in that covenant with those nuns. And of course, you know, the Dracula mythos is they have to invite him in and all that shit. That was pretty good. That one nun was kind of a nut job, but she was like kind of cool. Okay. So faster was okay. I liked the car. Uh, The rock had this big, like 44 Magnum or a 454 Casul or some kind of like raging hunter pistol. It was a revolver. Um, And that's what, when I was watching that dragged across concrete, Mel Gibson had like a big, like uh, either a 357 or a 44 Magnum or something, a revolver. And I was like, well, why would you want to, you know, use a revolver? But then they did show Mel and The Rock both in this using a speed loader and, I mean, doing it real fast. So, I mean, it was it was no skin off their ass that, you know, six shots. And then, I mean, in like two seconds, they'd have six more in. Now I'm looking at a thing with a waffle, a piece of sausage, and a... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and a fucking like a fried egg over easy and orange juice. So I, I need to get off that and get back to the show. This is a show. Okay. So faster was all right. Um, you know, Billy Bob's usually not going to be in something that sucks. He's a pretty, pretty, pretty good actor and, you know, chooses wisely. He did have a wig on in this and, um, you know, but like I said, because he's kind of disheveled and uh, a burnout cop and everything. It's like hanging down in his face and shit, which it just makes it look so much more. Um, I've said this before on the show. When guys wear a wig, they always like to have it kind of like either messed up or have some hair hanging down, free flowing. Like, oh, it's not. A, if it was a wig, it would just be perfect. But it makes it look even less uh real because who would walk around with their hair hanging down on their fucking face like that stringy bastard um since since <laughs> cincinnati kid with steve mcqueen uh and she edward g robinson and walter mathow walter mathow walter math not walter mathow it was god damn it what's his name with the big light bulb nose um, I knew when I said Walter Mathel that was wrong. It was not Walter Mathel. <laughs> the guy that was in some of the Marlon Brando movies that was in One Eye Jacks and in um, On the Waterfront, On the Waterfront. And it was Johnny Carl Malden. I, I don't know why. I, as soon as I said Walter Matthau, I knew it was wrong, but then that was stuck in my head. So I couldn't get past it. But I love uh, On the Waterfront. That's one of my favorite movies with uh, Brando and Lee J. Cobb, Eva Marie Saint. Um, she was really young in that. And it also had, I think, who was the boxer that was in that? It wasn't... Um, Oh, um, Tony Galento. Um, he was the one that uh, was kind of, he like uh, was a bar, worked, I don't know if he owned a bar in real life 
where he worked in a bar and was like a bouncer or something, but he was supposed to be a real tough guy. And he fought um, Joe Lewis. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, it was almost like a Rocky thing, except Rocky, of course, was kind of like a nice guy. And Tony Galento was kind of like a, a thug, kind of a, 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 I don't know, he would be like a gorilla, you know, uh, but not a nice gorilla, a gorilla uh, that would be like a, you know, I don't know, a jerk. <laughs> But he fought Joe Lewis, and he didn't have any skills, really, as far as, like, being a boxer, but he was just real tough. And he actually gave Joe Lewis a, you know, a pretty good fight. Um, let's see. It also, Leif Erickson, he was on the high chaparral. He was in on the waterfront. He played one of the cops along with, uh, oh, what was the other cop's name? I can't remember now. Ugh, I feel so bloated. <laughs> Uh, there are several guys that look like they were boxers. Abe Simon, Tammy, Tam, this guy's name, he was a guy. Uh, he's played uh, Telio, Tammy Morillo, like almost like Tom Morello. This guy was a boxer too. Stefano Tammy Morello was an American professional boxer and actor of Italian descent. Uh, who was world-ranked in two divisions. Uh, he thrice challenged for world titles, fighting Gus Lazenovich and Joe Lewis for world's light heavyweight and heavyweight titles. Okay, so he fought Joe Lewis too. But what other... He was in other movies besides um, On the Waterfront? I keep smacking my lips for some reason. <laughs> No, it was just in On the Waterfront. I think they just needed some thugs. And um, um, Marlon Brando's character was an ex-boxer in the movie. And so they kind of had that. And then, um, like, um, I think Lee J. Cobb's character was based on um, uh, Albert Anastasia's brother, um, Anastasio, who, let's see, what was his first name? Tony Anastasio. That was their family name, and Albert changed his name to Anastasia, but they were brothers. And I think Lee J. Cobb's character was based on tough Tony Anastasio, who actually, when you say on the waterfront, he ran the waterfront um, for the mob for years and years and years. And I think even after Albert got knocked off uh, and got killed in that barber shop, uh, Tony still ran the waterfront. Let's see. And uh, What's-His-Face took over. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, who else was in this that was a boxer? Ape Simon. Now, he looks like a big goon, so he played a big goon. Uh, Abraham Simon was a professional boxer who fought Joe Lewis for the World Heavyweight. If I was Joe Lewis, I'd be like, hey, why don't you put me in this fucking movie? Motherfucker, I want to be in a movie, too. Oh, he was in several things. Um, let's see. Requiem for a Heavyweight. That was the one with Anthony Quinn. And uh, Mickey Rooney. Um, Never Love a Stranger. 
Let's see what else. Singing in the Dark. First Hollywood feature addressing the Holocaust. Hmm. Uh, on the waterfront, he played Barney. He played one of Lee Jacobs' thugs. Uh, Man Against Crime, as TV. Another TV, Charlie, Win- Charlie Wild, Private Detective. Uh, okay, so other stuff is just like either boxing or TV stuff. But anyway, I mean, you know, he's a good-looking thug. I'm trying to think what... Um, there was a movie that I saw, and Jake LaMotta was in it, and he played... Oh, I think that was uh, The Hustler with Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason. And they would say something... All, the only lines that um, I think LaMotta had was check. They'd be like... Uh, Hey, hey, Jake, uh, make sure you clean up the bar uh, when we close or whatever. And he'd be like, check. Let's see, Jake LaMotta. I think that was Jake LaMotta. Needless to say, yeah. I'm not saying anything. That's just, okay, Jake LaMotta was in more than, uh, he was in in, uh, several things here, several shows. He was in uh, Rebellion in Cuba. That was 1961. Who was in that? A small group of Americans take part in an attempted overthrow of Fidel Castro's communist regime in Cuba. And is that the one Woody Strode was in? No. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr., Bill Fletcher, who was on MASH, or, you know, part of MASH, uh, Jake LaMotta. Okay. That doesn't have, it only had six people. Um, but still, that would be something I would would mind looking up to see. Um, then he was in The Hustler. He played the bartender, like I said. Jake LaMotta was also in Car 54, Where Are You? He was in that several times playing like uh, a sailor, a thug, uh, a guy named Bugsy, Muscles McGurk. Let's see, Trials of a Brian TV Show, The Doctor and the Playgirl. Who was in that? Daddy-o. This is the most controversial of subjects of our time. The sex scandal that rocked the world. Doctor and the Playgirl. A young woman enters the life of a uh, New York playgirl after being brutally raped by her stepfather. Jesus. Uh, she soon moves in with a young male doctor who makes special intimate sessions between government officials and young women. Man, that does sound that's sleazy as fuck. Let me take a screenshot of that. I don't want to watch that. 1963, The Doctor and the Playgirl. It didn't get... I mean, it's a 4.8 out of 10, but still. Um, they made it in 63, but did not get released until 65. I wonder if that's... Is that based on a true story or something? Ugh. Uh, okay, anyway. Um, hmm. La Violenza di Danati. What's that? Know what this is about? Be the first to add a plot. Muck, muck, muck. It has... Who's in it? Jake LaMotta and a bunch of Italian people I've never heard of. Dig it. The Runaways from 1965. Two friends go AWOL in Italy during World War II. One battles post-traumatic stress... Uh, syndrome, while the other double-crosses his way into a local crime syndicate. Hmm. 
Udin Dat. Udin Dat. Cast. Peter Savage, Jake LaMotta, Sharon Dale. Okay, and people I don't know. Gee, or Guy, Tomogen. Gee. Anyway, that is that looks like a real low budget deal. Uh, Confessions of a Psycho Cat. Psycho Killer. Casca say. Ah, 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 killer. A deranged wealthy woman offers $100,000 to three men if they can stay alive for 24 hours in Manhattan and then hunts them down. Exciting, exotic, and evil. She was the mistress of pleasure and the slave of her desires. Confessions of a psycho cat. <coughs> Shit. That one looks pretty good, too. Sleaze. Sleazy movies are good. I have come to fuck. Uh, Eileen Lord plays the psycho cat, Virginia Marcus. Uh, Ed Garbrandt. Frank, Jake LaMotta is the only person I know. Rita Bennett, sex inserts. <laughs> Let me make a screen capture of that Jake LaMotta movie. <laughs> Seems like he's making some sleazy movies here, but hey, God bless him. Uh, this one is called Cauliflower Cupids from 1970. Johnny Stiletto, crime godfather, decides to go straight uh, so his beautiful daughter will be accepted by her boyfriend's wealthy society family. But Stiletto's mob, the, uh, their rival gang and boyfriend's money-grubbing family, have other ideas. I, so I, I'm assuming when they say he goes straight, that means that he is not going to uh, be in a life of crime anymore and not that he is gay. Um, this stars Jane Russell. I know who she is. She was a full-figured gal who used to do uh, girdle commercials. and She was a hottie back in the day. Uh, Alan Dale, Peter Savage. I've heard of him somewhere. He's Johnny Stiletto. Uh, Jake LaMotta is Gentleman Jim. Rocky Graziano. Okay, he was a famous boxer. Willie Pep, another famous boxer. Tony Zale, uh, who was Tony Zaleski, who was a Polish boxer. Him and uh, Rocky Graziano. Tony Zale and Rocky Graziano had a big, um, like a, uh, whatchamacallit. Not a feud, but they fought several times for the pink middleweight title. Uh, Carol, Carol Walker, Lee Meredith. I know who she is. She plays D body. She must be hot. So say she got D body. All right. Lee Meredith was born in 1947. She was in the producers. I think she played the hot, um, chick. Yeah. She was the hot chick that uh, was their secretary. Tall, gorgeous blonde who tended to play sexy, dumb roles in sketch comedy, best known as Ula, the dissy blonde Scandinavian secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fuck a duck. I gotta quit doing that, that voice. Okay, so that's Jake LaMotta. Got off on a, on a track there. <laughs> Snort. God damn, we're going to have to quit already. <clears throat> harumph, harumph. I got some water up there, but that means I have to sit up. Hang on. I need to get some water. <clears throat> I hate to call it a day. We're only an 50 minutes in. 
Okay, well, let's leave this down here. So I can get to it. Probably, well, wait a minute. Hang on, let me get a goddamn thing to set it on. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. I got this book. And I'm going to use it to set the thing on, but it's called Steve Lambert from the Streets of Brooklyn to the Halls of Hollywood. And it is a book. This guy was a uh, stuntman. And this book is about as big as a New York City phone book, or, you know, what they used to call it, a phone book back in the day. Um, it's, it's big. It's really thick. I watched um, DC's animated movie, Injustice. Um, God damn it. <clears throat> I'm verklempt. This was pretty good. Um, of course, I've, uh, you know, read the story. Injustice, and then there's a, a video game and everything. And what it's about is uh, Superman um, finds out that Lois Lane is pregnant, and of course the Joker's a butthole and he's a dick face, and he does some shit. Uh, him and Harley Quinn do some shit that causes Superman to go fucking nuts, and Superman gets he just uh, is so grief stricken and so fucked up in the head by what the Joker did that he decides, okay, I've got the power to, uh, uh, like, a, you know, almost like godlike powers and I'm going to put an end to crime and violence, uh, and war on planet earth. <clears throat> and he kind of becomes like a dictator, uh, you know, like a strong man dictator, uh, and Batman says, you know, okay, so it's like like a, a bunch of the heroes go with Superman and say, okay, you know, like Wonder Woman and and um, um, you know, we need to we we can make the Earth better. We can stomp out violence and everything. And Batman's kind of like, okay, no, wait a minute, this is bullshit because. You know, who's to say, who's going to be the judge, who's going to be the morality police and everything. <clears throat> and so it kind of goes along like that. Um, of course, this is just a, you know, a short movie, not a short movie. I mean, it was probably like, uh, it was like an hour and a half long. I, I can't remember how long it was. But, you know, the comic they had, it went on for a long time. Um, and through, it ran through different, different uh, comics and then you had the, the the main comic of Injustice, but then you had all the you know the the branching off into different comics and everything, like they often do, just to make more money. Um, but it was pretty good story, um, and I like how they how they uh, ended it. Um, in this, uh, they wrapped it up, whereas in the um, in the comic, uh, it it went on for a long time, you know, because over years and years and years. Um, but it was it was worth watching, if you like comic book stuff. Some people don't. I watched uh, again. We covered this one on the show, but I watched it again. It was it's on HBO Max. Quarrel, uh, or uh, I want to say Quarrel, but it was Carell, uh with Brad Davis and Franco Nero. And this was by Rainer Werner Fassbender, and it's. Um, Brad Davis is a sailor, and he's on the ship. Um, I guess it's like a cargo ship or whatever. And these sailors stop in 
these ports of call and everything. And um, his brother, um, who he hasn't seen in a long time, is the the husband. I think it was. I think they were married. I was going to say boyfriend, but I think they were married. Um, to this woman who is like a madam of a brothel in this uh, in this port, and the um, hang on a second. If this would have been done by just a regular, <laughs> I don't know if I should say a regular person. Um, it's based on a on a story, you know, that goes along goes along sort of like with what what happens here, but uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender kind of took control of it and said, "Okay, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it," and he kind of switched shit around and everything. And Rainer Werner uh, Fassbender was gay, and I think that he decided that he was this was going. It, this is just how I look at it. Like he was going to make a an overtly the first. Uh, I shouldn't say the first gay openly like gay movie or whatever, but I mean everything in this movie is like. Um, I don't know if I want to say gay exploitation, but that's sort of it's it, because like when they come into port. The, the the everything is is the way it's lit and the sets and everything um, are done a certain way. Like um, they there's like these stone buildings and streets, cobblestone streets and stone buildings. But there's like these pillars on these on the on the docks and stuff, and they're shaped like big stone like cocks. You know, <laughs> I mean. Hundred percent. I mean, you, even on the on some of the the box cover art and stuff, you can see like uh, there's uh, one of Brad Davis. There's different movie posters and stuff, but there's one of Brad Davis leaning against this like column, and it's obviously a uh, uh, it's made of brick and stone and everything, but it's it's shaped like a giant like uh, dick and balls and the head of the dick and everything. And then there's a lot of stuff uh, where people. Speak People speculate that Carell and his brother have like a almost like an incestuous uh, feelings for each other, which they deny. But then when they show them, like when they first meet, uh, they do the the whole movie is really weird. Um, Like. they go into like these poses. As soon as his brother sees him walk into the bar, he he just stands in this like a almost like a uh, I don't know how to put it like a like a statuesque pose, and he clenches his fists. And then when Carell sees him, um, he does the same thing. He he stands there and all and like it's almost like a he's posing for a statue or something, and he puts his fist like almost like in a boxing like stance. And when they go to embrace each other, they start like punching each other in the stomach. Uh, like while they hold on to each other, they just sit there and punch each other in the stomach, but it doesn't look real. And 
everybody's kind of like, it's not like people are sitting there going, Jesus Christ, what are these two idiots doing? It's almost just like in the background, you see them back there like gut punching each other while these other people are talking. Now there's a guy, Momo, or is it No-No? No-No. <laughs> No-No I've seen before. It's Gunther Kaufman, and he is um, an actor, like I said, I've seen in some other Fassbender movies. And um, he is, he like runs the bar. And, um, hang on one second. He runs the bar and um, you have, like, if you want to sleep with, um, the woman that runs the bar is Jean Moreau. And she's married to um, Carell's brother, let me, I thought Carell's brother was named um, Robert. Okay, Robert is Hanno Poschel. And um, he's married to Jean Moreau. And, but he's like, I think he's kind of like a cuck. Uh, they're always dancing together and all this shit. And I th- they're, they're, they're in love, but he's kind of cuckold. And <clears throat> they have a game that if you want to sleep with her, um, then you have to roll dice with No-No. And No-No is this big black guy, big, you know, muscular black guy. He almost reminds me of uh, uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson's dad, Rocky Johnson. And um, if you roll that dice and you lose, then No-No gets to fuck you up the ass. But if you win, you get to fuck, I think, Jean Moreau. And, but I, I think it's still, I think you, you get to fuck her no matter what, but if you lose, no, no gets to fuck you first in the ass. And then you still get to fuck Jean Moreau. Now this is how this movie goes. I'm not just, just saying this and being vulgar and making stuff up. It's just straight out. That's what they say. And then there's one part in it where, um, no-no, I guess, is known to be like this big black stud. Like he is and is supposed to be really good. Like he tells Corell, like Corell says, you know, okay, you can fuck me, but, you know, go easy. And and no-no's like, oh, bullshit, this isn't your first time. You've been fucked in the ass. And he goes, I'm telling you, it's my first time. So be easy and everything. But then Carell, when at first, they just like show his face when no-no starts fucking him. And of course, at first, he's like, you know, because uh, no-no's supposed to have a real big dick. And uh, But then he starts, I guess he starts liking it. I, I don't know. So anyway... No-No tells, later on, tells Robert, who was Carell's brother, um, that he fucked Carell. And Robert doesn't believe it. And then No-No, I guess No-No is supposed to, I guess everybody in this movie, every man in this movie, is either closeted homosexual or is like by curious or I don't know what because they 
speculate that Robert and Carell love each other, and not like brothers, but love each other. And they say it's not true. But then there's another scene where they get in a big fight out in the street, and they're beating the shit out of each other. And then they uh, Carell pulls the knife out, and Robert pulls the knife out. And they do this really weird like pantomime, uh, like dance and pantomime. That's really strange. And um, <clears throat> when Nono tells Robert that he fucked Carell, Robert gets really like pissed. He doesn't believe him, but he's mad because even if it's if it's true, he's really pissed. And then Nono like rubs it in. He says, "Like I fucked all these guys, you know, around here and everything." But he said, "He goes, but uh, I'll, but I'll, ne- I'll never fuck you." And he goes, "You're not my type, you know." And Robert gets like pissed and disappointed and hurt because Nono says that he's not his type and that he would never fuck Robert no matter what because he doesn't like Robert. He thinks Robert's a dick. And Robert, who claims that he's not gay, gets like, no-no knows that it's making Robert mad, that's getting under his skin, that he tells Robert that he won't fuck him no matter what. And he tells him that, like, that, uh, that Corell uh, really liked it and that he, you know, all the snap. So it's really strange. Then Corell has the scheme going on where he's smuggling uh, opium. And, but there's a, there's a narrative uh, that goes, there's a narration that goes on through the movie um, where this guy is narrow. I don't know. I don't think it's Fassbender. I'm trying to think who it is because it, it sounded, the guy's voice sounded familiar. Um, this guy narrates the, the film in different parts. Um, and he's always talking about how Carell is a killer. And then there's different things that happen through the movie where Carell, um, I don't know if he's like a serial killer or a sociopath or what. And then while all this is going on, Franco Franco Nero is the captain of the ship. And he secretly lusts for Carell. He's on this ship, and they show all these sailors. It's almost like uh, fucking the village people, where they show all the sailors, and they all have, they're all, like I said, like the guys in the village people, they were all really well-built, like dancers. And that's how all these sailors are, and they show them all working with their shirts off, and they're all, you know, sweaty and glistening and everything. And Franco Nero's, um, like I said, is like the, the captain of the ship, he is always like watching Corell and he's infatuated with him. And he has a little cassette recorder and he's always talking in this cassette recorder about Corell and the other guys on the ship and how he has to maintain this certain, um, uh, decorum or whatever. And, and, um, because he's an officer and an officer and a gentleman and everything, but he is surrounded by all these beautiful men, all boys, beautiful boys and all this stuff. So then, um, it's weird. Just 
how Fassbender just overtly made this so sexual. And it's like everything about this movie is, is about like gay sex and gay iconography and just over the super over the top the there. Now it says that there is a Jean Moreau is in this, but it says that there is a, Ilsod Barth. I'm trying to think who she was in this movie. Now there was there's a there's a a um, <clears throat> one guy in this movie that is a construction worker. It's mostly const- the guy that worked in. Okay, there's a cop, No No, who works in the bar. Uh, Robert, who just hangs out and is married to the woman who owns the whorehouse and the bar or whatever. Um, but everybody else is either a construction worker or a sailor. And then there's some cops and, and um, there's a, there's a construction worker and he's constantly talking to this guy um, who is played by Laurent Millet. Uh, the character was Roger Battelle. And he's constantly telling this young guy who's this really young, like good looking twink guy but this construction worker is constantly telling him that he wants to fuck this roger's sister and he bring your sister here oh i just he tells him right to his face he'll be like i want to fuck her so good she's so fucking hot oh your sister's so hot i just like to bang the shit over but (coughs) while he's telling him that he wants to fuck his sister and how young she is and how hot she is. He'll be like stroking this, this young twink guy's hair and rubbing his face and everything and saying like, um, you know, you remind me of her and everything. So even though he's saying that he wants to fuck this guy's sister and he's just being overt about like, you know, bring her here. I want to bang the shit out of her. I want to fuck her brains out and everything. He's like, it's like he's talking to, Roger. Then there is a cop that hangs out at the bar with No-No all the time. And like when he's on duty, he dresses like a cop. But then when he's in the bar, he dresses almost like a gay leather guy, like in cruising or something. And he's always hanging out at the bar, rolling dice with No-No. But No-No says, you know, oh, don't. No-No is like a connection with Corell for the opium thing. Corell comes to him and says, Hey, I've got this deal for this. I've got this opium, you know, can you move it for me? And no. And, but then that cop is standing there, but he's dressed. Like I said, he's got like a leather vest on and a leather hat that says police on it, but it's not like a cop hat. It's like a, like I said, like a leather man hat from a leather bar. And, no no tells him he says oh don't worry about i think was that mario don't worry about mario he's part of the furniture so you know he's there and he i guess he's probably like a cop that that hangs out at the bar but also kind of like protects the bar takes payoffs or whatever maybe or whatever or maybe no no's fucking him i don't know because no no's supposed to be a goddamn stallion then corell and Lesane, who is Jean Moreau, they get together and I think they are screwing. But then Nono tells 
uh, Lysane that he fucked Corel, and then she gets upset about that. And so it's really, it's just really odd. Everything about this fucking movie is odd. I want to go back and listen to uh, the episode that we did when we reviewed it because it's so strange. And the way that Fassbender did it, this was his last movie. And I've seen some of his other movies, like the uh, American Soldier. Um, we reviewed that one, and I really liked that one. I thought it was funny and it was good and everything. Um, but then I've seen some of his. I, I got into a phase where I wanted to get some of his movies, and um, I bought them on like VHS. And some of them are really are almost like they're just like boring. I didn't. I don't. Some of them are not very good at all. I didn't think. Um, but this one is definitely, it's just so odd. It's intriguing to me because it's just so fucking weird and odd. And even the way that they talk in the movie is not like a, a natural way to speak. It's like they're reading this really almost like cheesy dialogue um, straight off the script. Let's see what else Fassbender. Uh, did he... I'm trying to think if he uh, died of natural causes. Uh, Rainer Renner Fassbender was a rebel whose life and art were marked with gross contradiction. Openly homosexual, he married twice. One of his wives acted in, in his films. Blah, 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 blah. Accused of variously by detractors of being anti-communist and male chauvinist, anti-Semitic, and even anti-gay, he completed 44 projects between 66 and 82. Uh, the majority of which were characterized as intelligent social melodramas. Let's see. Uh, I want to see how he died. Was he a drug addict? Each man kills the things he loves. Each man kills the things he loves. Da 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 da. Fassbender's trademark, trademark leather jacket and grungy appearance, Fassbender cruised the bar scene by night looking for sex and drugs, yet maintained a flawless work ethic. Each monkey's the things he loves. His death is a perfect picture of a man and his legend. On the night of June uh, 10, 1982, Fassbender took an overdose of cocaine and sleeping pills. Uh, when he was found... The unfinished script for a version of Rosa Luxemburg was lying next to him. So boundless was his drive and creativity that throughout his downward spiral, even in the moment of death, Fassbender never ceased to be productive. I remember seeing, I have not watched it yet, His greatest, it says his greatest success came with uh, Die der Maria Braun, or the marriage of Maria Braun from 1979. And I think I have that because again, like I said, I bought several of his movies on VHS and, but I haven't watched them all. Um, let's see. It's, it's talking about his different movies. It says all focused on gay and lesbian themes and frequently with strong pornographic with a strongly pornographic edge. So anyway, that's Fassbender. Me, 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 me. They ought to do a biopic of him. I don't know who would play him. He was he was a, a kind of a kind of a chubby, ugly, uh, 
greasy looking, <laughs> unkempt uh, looking dude. But, you know, they could get some, I mean, God, hell, there's lots of people that look like that. Uh, anyway, let's go back to Silver and Gold. Corel, Corel. Uh, let's see. Each one keeps the things he loves. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> let's see. Matt went and got some movies. Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome Valentine's Day Sale. Uh, Dracula Sucks. Now, this what was that one with Ginger Lynn there. I've seen that. That's a porno. But I can't tell what it, I've seen. Let's see. Too Naughty to Say... I think it's Too Naughty to Say No. But it's definitely Ginger Lynn, because I've seen that one. <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas 2, I have not seen. Uh, Dragoose. Film Class X. Uh, her name was Lisa. That has Vanessa Del Rio and Samantha Fox. So that's definitely a porno. Uh, All Night at the Po. No. P-O-N-O. All American Hustle. Succula. Uh, Homer the Late Comer. Raw, raw, raw. Carnal Go Around. 12-unit continuous show. Uh, bizarre Art Theater. Hotter Than Hell. Come Deadly. The Unholy Child. Mania. I can't see what the other ones are. Uh, corporate Assets. And China Girl. I don't know. That Debbie Does Dallas, the girl that was in that... She like said she like disappeared. Nobody knows whatever happened to her, or who she really was, or anything. Which, and, and I think that she, I found a um, clip on YouTube where they interviewed her when that movie was just coming out, and she was stripping in a, you know, um, um, adult gentleman's club or whatever. And she said she thought that that was like a one-time thing and she wasn't, she wouldn't make any of those. So I didn't see either one. I didn't see Debbie Does Dallas or Debbie Does Dallas 2. So I don't know if she was actually in Debbie Does Dallas 2. It looks like her on the cover of box art. Uh, Matt says Dracula sucks. Uh, he got that on... Um, well, that's oh, I saw that. Okay, <laughs> he's, he's a, he got this on 4K from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and I I have seen that one. That one is the um, uh, porno movie um, adult feature starring Jamie Gillis, Annette Haven, uh, John Holmes, and Serena. Okay, I've seen that one. Okay, the next movie I watched was Twelve Strong, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, which I just watched a Chris Hemsworth movie, Blacknet, uh, the Michael band movie and it was way better than this um this one also has michael shannon michael pena travante rhodes um the declassified true story of the horse soldiers uh these are the first like uh after 9 11 this is from jerry bruckheimer but um it, um after 9 11 these are they sent in a um a uh, team of Green Berets into Afghanistan to help the Northern Alliance to fight um, the Taliban. And um, 
So there's just a handful. It says 12 strong. So there's only 12 guys. Uh, they send into Afghanistan. Uh, and what they're going to do is they tell them this Northern Alliance, there's like a, uh, three or four different tribes and they don't even like each other. They don't trust each other and stuff. So he said, you know, you're going to be working with all of them. These four, I think four different tribes or whatever, but, um, or factions of the Northern Alliance. But if they come upon each other, they might fight each other just as fast as they would fight the Taliban. But Hemsworth and his, and his guys are going in mostly to call in like airstrikes and stuff. They'll go along with the Northern Alliance guys. And then when they see, when they lead them to these Taliban like troops, um, they'll call in B-52 strikes and things like that. But then of course they get um, kind of entrenched with the Northern Alliance group that they're running with and their, their leader, who's kind of like a charismatic guy. Um, and they get involved and start showing, cause like Hemsworth's character has never been in combat. And so then he kind of has to prove himself to this, <coughs> to this, um, to these Afghanis who have been fighting, like, you know, they fought the Russians, they fought, you know, they're fighting the Taliban and everything. And, um, so he kind of has, but of course he had, you know, he's got what it takes. He's got true grit and everything. This has some good, um, action sequences and stuff in it, but it really is super duper like, you know, uh, American propaganda film, just like an old John Wayne movie would be. Or if you saw the green berets with John Wayne, it's almost the exact same, same thing, you know, uh, except modern times, so I imagine Bruckheimer had some fucking help from uh, uh, maybe the uh, uh, American military or whatever in making this. I'm not, I don't know for sure, whatever. But it's definitely, you know, pro USA and rah rah sis boom bah, um, you know, type of almost like an old school war movie from like World War II or something. Um, made in modern times. But like I said, as far as the shooting and stuff like that and the explosions and action, it's good. Although it is still almost again, like, um, a cliche of, um, the bad guys in black and, you know, the stormtroopers who can't hit shit, but the American guys are riding on horseback and fucking shooting every, every bullet that they shoot takes down a Taliban, you know, whatever. And there's 50. What are the odds, sir? Well, there's uh, 32 of us and there's 7,000 of them, you know. Sounds like good odds to me. <laughs> Let me get a drink. <coughs> <coughs> Each monkey's the things he loves. Rainer, er, Rainer Werner Fassbender should have directed uh, 12 Strong. <laughs> it would have been a different kind of movie. Um, I watched uh, Mel, the classic Mel Brooks movie, Blazing Saddles, which I have not seen in a long time. And I'm not sure if I ever saw this completely uncut. 
because I mean, I know my, like my mom and dad went to see this when we were kids at the drive-in and they came back and were just laughing their asses off. But I think that we watched it, you know, as many times as I've seen this movie, I think that we watched it on TV and it was cut. So this one leaves in everything and, um, it's still funny. I mean, I still laugh at, you know, at, at all the shit. I especially laughed at uh, Madeline Kahn's um, uh, Marlena Dietrich kind of like takeoff, uh, you know, uh, doing that song, you know, I'm tired, tired of playing the game. You know, that was fucking hilarious. Um, everybody in it was good. I mean, the cast was good. It seemed like everybody was probably having a great time. Alex Karras punching the fucking, um, horse, you know, Mongo. And, (laughs) but anyway, I just like watching it and then seeing like some of the, some of the characters, like the guy, the snuffy guy, that's like, sure. You know, um, uh, look when I, I remember looking him up. I think we reviewed First Blood, the Rambo movie First Blood, and that's when I found out that the um, Sheriff Teasel's deputy that tormented Rambo so much, that was the guy that played Snuffy in this movie, and you would have never known who he was. Then the guy that, uh, this time when I was watching it, the guy that plays uh, Harvey Corman's uh, Executioner, that kind of talks like this. Oh, sir, I can't possibly work him in today. He was the guy that played, I think um, it was in um, Boogie Nights. There was a, the, 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 like the money guy behind the porno movies they were making. Uh, they, I, th- I don't know if they called him the Colonel or something like that. He, um, that was the guy that played Harvey Corman's, um, um, executioner in this that was almost like Igor or like a hunchback. Sure, I can't possibly work him in today. Um, and in Boogie Nights, I don't know if that was supposed to be a real character or not because I mean, the Boogie Nights was based on John Holmes, but he always had there was this poor chicken porn that was name was Little Cinderella, and even though she was of age. She looked like she was probably fucking 11, 12 years old because she was real skinny and, you know, just it was kind of weird. And it, but when now she was her, she was in Boogie Nights and so was, of course, Nina Hartley. She was the one that uh, uh, the guy who was like the cameraman, William, I think it was William H. Macy. Um, he would always walk in and she'd be getting gang banged and stuff and be like, uh, get out of here. You're embarrassing me. You know, but that little Cinderella would always show, they would always, the, the Colonel and his girlfriend or girlfriends would always show up at, on the set, of course, to come by and, you know, he was the money guy and he would talk to Burt Reynolds and say, Hey, everything. Oh, it looks like you're doing a good job and everything. Oh yeah. Colonel, we could use a, a couple extra thousand dollars. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'll take care of everything. And he was the money behind everything, but he always had that girl with him. And of course they picked a good person to play the part. Cause they picked that porn chick, little Cinderella, because the Colonel was supposed to be like a pedophile. 
but nobody gave a shit because they were. Just, it was almost like uh, whether it was Jimmy Savile or whoever, you know. Oh, you know the the Colonel. He he likes him young. Ha ha ha. Or what's his name that was? Um, oh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. So anyway, but then of course was like I haven't seen Boogie Nights in a long time. I think the Colonel ended up going to prison in the movie, and it was because he was screwing underage girls or whatever. So anyway, he was the guy that played Harvey Corman or Headley Lamar. <laughs> Instead of Heady, it was Headley. Um, but anyway, that is such a fun, it's a, such an iconic movie. And, and of course, you know, people say, oh, you know, they could never make that movie like today with the, the woke culture and stuff. They could never make that movie, uh, today. And they probably could. Um, it's like somebody was saying online today about like, um, Howard Stern, he used to have Gilbert Gottfried on the show all the time. And Gilbert would sit in during the news or whatever, and him and Artie Lang would just kind of, you know, riff and go off. And it was fucking funny. But then Gilbert kind of got uh, blackballed from the show. And there was one time, I think it was one of the last times Gilbert was there, there was a company that's right around where Stern used to do the show. And um, I don't know if it's like, not Rock Rockville Center. I can't remember where it was. Um, but anyway, they would bring these cupcakes up. It was like, cup, they called it Cupcake Wednesday. They'd bring these big boxes of these really big, big, like as big as your fist, fancy cupcakes that were like gourmet, gourmet cupcakes. They'd be like, you know, I don't know, five bucks a piece or something like that. And they bring up these great big boxes of them for the, for the, the crew, the cast and the crew and the people that worked in the office because they were fans of the Howard Stern show. And they would have like big chunks of, uh, of, uh, like, uh, Reese's cups or, or, uh, different ones that like, you know, peanut butter and, uh, I don't know, just different kinds big uh, things of um, uh, icing on top, stacked up real high and everything. Well, when Gilbert was leaving the one day, he went out there and the camera was on him. And of course they're talking to him and he's so out of control and so goofy and like, he doesn't give a shit what people think of him. Or, and he went over to those cupcakes and every cupcake, he was like, you know, Oh, I just want to try. Oh, I don't like that one. He'd take like a bite of it and then just put it back. Or he would stick his, he would take the topping off of it and eat it. And then if he didn't like it, he'd spit it back on top of the cupcake. So he fucking ruined all, all of them. And he was just laughing his ass off. And they were like, Gilbert, you're ruining them or whatever. And, and he was like, oh, let me try this one. Yeah, I don't like that one. He just let it fall out of his mouth right back into the box. So nobody wanted to touch it. That shit. And people speculated that since that was his last time on the show, that um, it was because of the cupcakes and he was spitting on them and everything and, and they got pissed and they said, we don't want him back. But in reality, I think what it was, was I think Stern and, you know, he hired that woman, that Marcy Turk to come in and, you know, kind of be his new kind of guru and sort of run stuff behind the scenes. And, you know, Gilbert and Artie, when they would be riffing during Robin's news or anything like that, I mean, they would go off for like 
my God, almost like, you know, maybe like 30 minutes straight or an hour or something where they were saying the N word just over and over and over and just cackling and laughing their asses off and just like really super homophobic, just homophobic, like slurs and stuff, you know, um, just over and over with everything. And Robin would start doing the news. And when they would start, she would start telling a story. If they said something about like a a 10 year old child was, was raped or whatever uh, in, you know, the Bronx or something like that, Gilbert would start laughing and everything. And it was just because it was so outrageous. Like again, you know, Stern was known for being a shock jock, but it was just so outrageous and they would just go on and on and on. And they might say, like I said, they might say the N word a hundred times in a row. Well, Stern would play it off like, Oh, come on guys. Now that's enough. That's enough. But then he would, he would like, cause it was on the radio. He would be egging them on to do it, but he would have deniability because he would say, oh, come on, guys, now that's enough. Now, come on, that's seriously, that's that's just enough. That's enough. I don't want to, you know, but then they would just keep going and they'd just be cracking each other up and laughing. But I think that is one of the reasons that he didn't have Gilbert back anymore. And, they, you know, of course, already, you know, tried to kill himself and everything, but he kind of cut ties with him too, is... Like when people said about Blazing Saddles, they couldn't make that today because of the woke culture. Well, you know, times change. And I mean, you know, they used to have menstrual shows too, and they don't have those anymore. And they used to have, you know, people in blackface uh, and, um, you know, do all, you know, racist comedy and homophobic comedy and stuff like that. And like I said, times change. Now you can, people can say uh, people are too woke or they're too sensitive or whatever, but you know, in some ways, you know, maybe we have moved on. I mean, uh, I, I can see the point of some of these comedians where they say, you know, nothing should be, um, as far as comedy goes, nothing should be, um, out of bounds or whatever, but you know, I don't know. There's such, there is such a thing as good taste. And, um, uh, now who, again, you know, uh, okay. Who's going to decide like in injustice with Superman, who's going to decide what's good taste and what's not good taste. But, you know, I don't know. And, and I can see the point of, you know, also from the other side, it's just words. And if you give these words that much, meaning and that much power they only have power because you give them that much power by saying oh you can't say this or you can't say that um it's like new jack when i was watching some wrestling stuff they said like um oh i'm trying to think who it was uh conan who is i think cuban american he's he's part german uh, i think like on his dad's side but then his mom is cuban so he's Hispanic, or I don't know what the words they use. I would want to say Hispanic, but uh, Latino, uh, you know, different. Some people have said when I say Hispanic, they're like, oh, dude, it's, now it's Latino or whatever. But anyway, um, they were in the locker room, and I think uh, Carlos, who is Conan, uh, used the N-word. But he's Hispanic, so New Jack didn't care. But then Perry Saturn came over, who is white, 
and he gets in on the conversation and he uses the n-word and new jack got up and was like ready to ki- ready to kill him he said you know uh, you know basically say that say it say that again you motherfucker i'll i'll beat your goddamn brains out or whatever her name is serious he was ready to fucking just kill him even though conan carlos who is Hispanic said it before, but it's okay if he says it, but you know, so it's really weird. And again, how you, you know, you're giving something that much power or, and then if you're being selective, who can say it, who can't and stuff like that. But again, blazing saddles. Um, I, again, I think like in blazing saddles, um, Oh, what's his name? Um, is it Cleavon Little? He is like when the people in Blazing Saddles are using, like using the N word and stuff. Okay, they are being portrayed as ignorant fucking morons. Cleavon Little is being portrayed as super smart. Um, and they're idiots, and he is so much more intelligent and cultured and the good a good guy. And everybody that's being really super racist, whether you know whoever they're racist against in this movie is portrayed as a fucking moron a simpleton and a fucking moron so you know it's how it's done i mean but if you would if you would have turned this around and everybody in the movie that's white is super smart and then you have cleavon little who is say the only african-american person in the movie but he's he's portrayed as a complete and total moron then it's and they're using the n word then it has a different thing but they are shown it's like uh, there are people online that if you if somebody posts like something about Archie Bunker from All in the Family Carol O'Connor's character they like look at Archie Bunker as like the a hero and I'll even post on there I was like you know you don't get it Norman Lear and Carol O'Connor and everybody on that show and all the writers were writing Archie as a dumbass. He was a fucking, he was a a a, a moron. Not a, I'm not, not a moron because they did or the Archie character did have depth. Uh, he loved his family and he was a good guy. He had a good heart, but he was brought up spe- with that with all that racist slang and racist terminology and jokes and looking down on people who were not like him, you know, a blue collar white guy, um, you know, but so they wrote it that way. They didn't write it like Archie, you know, was saying all this stuff and he was right for doing it and saying it, you know, so it's how it's portrayed and everything. So anyway, they, I think that maybe they, they pro- they could make Blazing Saddles because Blazing Saddles wasn't a bunch of white people standing around telling 
you know, uh, racist jokes or homophobic jokes or whatever, that it was done in a way to say that the people that are doing this are, are fucking morons. So anyway, I'm on my soapbox. But Blazing Saddles was good. It was still funny. Mm. Am I a bad person for saying that? Yes, I am. Uh, I watched a movie called Equinox. Let me see how much time we got here. I think I'm going long. Okay, we got a little bit more time. Um, I watched a movie called Equinox from 1970. Let me bring it up here real quick. Equinox 1970. I think this, I'm trying to think if this was a Criterion movie. I think it might be. Um, it's a it's a real low budget uh, movie from 1970. Uh, it says it may its budget was eight thousand dollars, and it made eight hundred and forty nine thousand dollars at the box office. Stars nobody that you've ever heard of, uh, and maybe you guys have because you know, like I said, you guys know all about movies. Right? Edwin Edward uh, Connell, Barbara Hewitt, Frank Bonner, and Robin Christopher. And it was directed by Jack Woods and Dennis Murren. Jack Woods. What did he do? Daddy-o. He actually has a filmography and nobody else I don't think in the movie does. Well, no, he did one movie, (laughs) which was probably Equinox. Uh, Let's see. He did the screenplay for Beware the Blob in 1972, and he did Equinox in 1970. He was an actor in Equinox. <laughs> oh, 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 he was an editor. Uh, okay. And um, what did I do? Did I fuck it up, Daddy O? Batman. I've heard of that movie. The Batman. <laughs> okay. Equinox. Get back to that. There are four people, two dudes and two chicks, and they're going on a picnic. So they go on this picnic, and um, hijinks ensues. <laughs> hijinks doesn't ensue, but basically, um, they're out in the woods, and they keep ca- this uh, park ranger on a horseback keeps showing up, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing here? You guys shouldn't be over in this area and everything." And um, they said, well, you know, we're, we know uh, Professor So-and-so. He, he, that, his house was around here, and we just saw the house, and it's, it's all crushed and collapsed and everything. Oh, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but you, you youngsters should, you know, go over here or whatever and stay out of this area and everything. So anyway, then they, they, some weird shit starts happening. And um, the... Um, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty entertaining movie for being so low budget um the creatures and stuff in it are like claymation uh and uh, like time lapse claymation which is really entertaining to watch that shit now there's some creatures in it that are just like okay you have some of them like the, that are flying and and things like that uh that are claymation and like uh uh, done with the camera and everything. But then there are some creatures in it that are just like big dudes uh, who are painted blue wearing a loincloth that are supposed to be a giant, but the camera angle is shot to make him look like a giant. Uh, there's like a Necronomicon, kind of a book in this, 
uh, and some really crazy shit. Um, that park ranger, the two girls are like two good looking blonde girls. And then when they kind of get separated while they're on the picnic, like the one girl kind of is lagging behind or whatever, uh, the park ranger shows up and then he gets her and it's like, he's trying to, it's uh, looked to me like he, it was the grossest thing. Like he was trying to rape her and she's kind of almost like she's drugged or entranced and she sees his face coming towards her and he's making these real weird faces, but it's like, he's going to like trying to kiss her or something, but he's so gross and he's like slobbering and shit and he's like rubbing on her and everything. And, um, but then, um, anytime he sees the, uh, like they, they have like a cross, like, you know, somebody wearing a gold crucifix or gold cross or whatever. Then he's like, Oh, you know, get that thing away from me Arr! and everything. Uh, so it is pretty good. Um, lots of metaphysical weird shit. There's some flying stuff and some big, big monsters and things like that. Um, it's almost like a Scooby-Doo-ish kind of a movie, but I'm glad I watched it. It was, it wasn't really long and, um, but it was pretty entertaining. Uh, the guys look like they should be in the TV show, my three sons with their hair and everything. Um, let's see. I got a 5.2 out of 10. Um, I was thinking that this was a Criterion movie for some reason. The son of film actor Ed Begley, Ed Begley Jr., is the assistant cameraman on this film. Okay, I remember Ed Begley Jr. Uh, All sound, including the dialogue, was done in post-production. Film debut of Frank Bonner who was Herb Tarlick on WKRP. I did not know that. So I was sitting here saying that there was nobody in it that you would know. And then when I looked it up, I did not even realize that that was Herb Tarlick because I used to watch WKRP all the time. And I was a Bailey man. Um, The original student version took two and a half years to make. The scene with the giant was done using a forced perspective. Uh, Let's see. Lewis Clayton, who plays the old man in... Oh, Lewis, I'm sorry. Lewis Clayton. There was this old man that's in this cave, and he was really weird. And he... um, I guess, was he Herb Tarlick's grandpa? No, he was the other guy's grandpa in real life. Um, It was a student project of Dennis Murren. Lead actor sideburns are longer in the additional material. Okay, let's see. I don't think there's anything else in here because this jockey Chuck Niles did the voice of Sloan the Reporter. Okay, it is a Criterion film. The film is part of Criterion Collection, spine number 338. Okay, well, I'm going to get off here. Anyways, I just thought uh, after we did our walk and everything that I would uh, do a show just for shits and giggles. Um, I don't think there's anything else to do. I watched some more of, uh, oh, I watched Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. And, okay, I know a lot of people like this. And, uh, you know, some people had said that they really loved it and everything. I did not like this at all. I had never seen it. And um, I think I watched it because it had that, um, what's her name in it? Oh, um, hang on. I talked about her in the last show. 
pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Up the volume. Moving. Diggity doo. Was it Samantha Mathis? Maybe. All right. Let's see. Yeah, because I thought she was cute. And I was talking about Christian Slater, so I watched it. Um, I did not like this movie. I did not like um, anything about it. <laughs> Honest to God, I really didn't. I thought uh, Christian Slater was really annoying. Uh, I would not have listened to his show. Um, he was. I thought it would have a lot more um, like classic tunes from that era, and it didn't. Um, oh, what's his name that sings Hallelujah? <laughs> um, shit. I don't want to look it up because I want to get off here. Um, but honest to God, I, th- I thought, okay, you know, I, I liked, uh, St. Elmo's Fire and all these movies like that. You know, they were, they were, uh, prob- maybe they were more from my generation and this isn't, um, this was made in... Was it 19? God damn it. I don't like the app. IMDB app. I will release date 1990. Um, I like IMDB just on my computer. I can find stuff better. Uh, let's see. I want to look up uh, fuckface, zitface Slater. <laughs> Christian zitface. I didn't like him. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe um, he's sort of supposed to be like a pirate shock jock kind of a guy. He's close to my age. He's four years younger or not, maybe like three years younger. Um, but I don't know. I just didn't like the story that much. I, I, I uh, It might just be that I'm too old now to relate to this the, the 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 young kids in this movie, but then again, like I said, I, w- I would watch uh, Breakfast Club and I like it, and I like Saint Elmo's Fire and those movies. Um, I just did not like this one. Uh, I was disappointed because I thought that I would, I thought it, you know, it was you know something that it would really be up my alley that I just missed it. And um, there was another one. Oh God, about the record store. Not the one with John Cusack, because I really like that one. There was a another movie, and I I think I talked about it on the show, and I can't remember what it was called now. Um, but it was, let's see. And I hated it, too, in sort of the same way. Uh, Empire Records. Um, I thought, oh, my God. Okay, I never saw this one. I, I'm going to watch it. Uh, um, it'll probably be really good. And I, I really did dislike Empire Records. And in the almost, I almost have the exact same feeling for Pump Up the Volume that I did for Empire Records. Uh, just really did not like it and, and just kind of fell flat for me. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, now I know why I missed or why, why I didn't watch it or why I missed it. And, um, it, I didn't miss anything, but uh, other people like both of those. And that's great. You know, that's fine. And I'm glad that they, that they liked them. It just, I just didn't like it. I watched the French dispatch, um, which I really liked. 
Um, I like what's his name style and have liked um, pretty much everything that I've seen that he has done. Um, what's his face? Good, good, good. Wes Anderson. Um, all-star cast. Um, I hate Owen Wilson. I still don't like Owen Wilson in anything. I just don't like him. I know I, w- I shouldn't say that. Uh, Royal Tannenbaums. I liked him in that. Um, Bill Murray was in that, but I mean, you know, just kind of a, I mean, he's sort of like the, the I shouldn't say the main character. He's like the, the head of the dispatch, but then it goes off on different stories um, Adrian Brody was really good. Benicio del Toro was really good. Uh, Lea Sadu, who was in, um, what was it? The, it was it the color blue, that one movie with the, well, she was in that James Bond movie. Um, and she was in that, uh, blue is the warmest color, which we reviewed on the show. She was inspector and I didn't see no time to die yet. So I guess she's in, and she was in glorious bastards. Was she Shoshana? I think so. Uh, but I like her. She was really good in this. Uh, really good. I, th- I thought she was excellent. Um, let's see who else. Ed Norton is in Wes Anderson movies, and I don't like him that much. Jason Schwartzman, I always like him. Jeffrey Wright was really good. Francis McDormand was really good. Um, Cersei Ronan, I don't remember her. But anyway, all-star cast, uh, Willem Dafoe. Um, Henry Winkler popped up, uh, Christoph Waltz. Uh, but anyway, I really, I enjoyed it. Um, I like all the set, the way he does all the, the set and it had some animation in it and everything. Benicio del Toro, uh, Leia Sadu and Adrian Brody were the, the three best, uh, stories, I think. And then, uh, that Timoth- Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. And Francis McDormand, uh, their thing was, their little thing was good. Uh, anyway, it was, I liked it all the way around. It, I don't, I wouldn't say it was like my favorite of Wes Anderson's movies, but um, it was, I'm glad that I watched it. Uh, it is on HBO Max, I believe. But it's fun. I, I, some people, I, I don't think some people like Wes Anderson's movies. Maybe they think it's more style over substance or something but um i like it i like all the little you know fun costumes and everything they they say that he he, uh like the actors and everything it's almost like they're they're dolls and doll houses and you know he moves them around and has them do this and that and everything but i like that i think it's kind of it's kind of cute and entertaining anyway okay so i'm gonna go ahead and shut it down at least laying down was better and uh, that I did have a coughing spell, but that was from doing that stupid accent or that stupid uh, guy announcer voice thingy. Uh, Circle of Steel starring Joe Don Baker. Anyway, people, I'm getting off here. We're almost at two hours, so I'm going to go in and maybe make myself some dinner. Uh, dig it.